Hey guys, welcome back to the What Now podcast by College Girls for College Girls. I'm Lex. Unfortunately, my co-host Tara will not be joining us anymore. She has decided to take some time for herself and to adjust to recent changes to her life as a result of the coronavirus. Therefore, I will be proceeding alone on the show and inviting some of my best friends to guest star based on what their personal experiences allow them to comment on. So let's just get right into it. Today we're going to be covering guy friends. So I have brought my very, very dear best friend from Stanford, Victoria, onto the show today to give us a little bit of insight into guy friends because she's the only person that I know who manages to have guy friends and not fuck it up. Victoria? Well, that's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if you could say that I don't fuck it up, but you know, you just take it day by day, I guess. So Victoria, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your current situation? <laughs> I um, am assuming you're referring to the best friend that I'm living with currently. Um, good friend of mine. Uh, has We have really run the entire course of relationship possibilities. Not sure how many people could say they met their best friend on Tinder, but I am one of them. So matched on Tinder freshman year, hooked up for a while, hated him the summer after the year ended, and started hooking up again in the fall of sophomore year. And that eventually phased out. We just got to be really good friends that, you know, turned very platonic. And then we staff staffed a dorm together and then started hooking up again. And then with the whole coronavirus situation, got kicked off campus. And I'm now living with him in his house in Colorado. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Do you think that men and women can be friends platonically and have no other like lingering feelings sexually I think it's hard because I think that those kind of feelings come in waves and maybe don't necessarily match up at the same time but I don't know I feel like it's kind of inevitable it just depends on how willing you are to act on it because I could say that my two best friends at school are both guys and at different stages of my life I have had feelings that were not platonic for both of them and just I think it's dependent on whether or not I felt like those were reciprocated or if it would be productive so you go to Stanford which is a small private institution with like how many people we have about 7,000 undergrads okay so I go to Michigan where there's 40,000 undergrads do you think that so we talked about you talked about tinder a little bit so do you think that tinder is an effective place to make friends I don't know if I would say that necessarily. <laughs> um, I don't know that my intention of dating apps has ever been to make friends, but I will say I have uh, ended up in several friendships as a result of dating apps with uh, various degrees of success. But I think that Stanford's unique because we definitely have a very prevalent hookup culture. And so it feels like everything is very oriented around just like hookups and sex and that kind of thing, which sounds kind of different from what you've told me about Michigan, maybe, where it's it's hard because it doesn't feel like that many people actually are interested in like dating or having meaningful relationships at Stanford just because I think that's campus culture. I think part of it is because people are working so hard and so involved with things that they don't necessarily want or think they have time or want to make time for another person. So 
I don't know if that maybe contributes to the lack of friendships, but um, it's definitely a very bizarre uh, atmosphere. I would agree. I would say Michigan, you come in freshman year, everybody's just kind of like a bunch of toddlers. You locked in a room together trying to figure out how to socialize. And then towards sophomore year, people start cuffing. And then normally couples start breaking up around the beginning of senior year because they realize that they've just spent two to three years together, kind of, for lack of a better word, codependent, living with each other, not really experiencing Michigan as a single person. And then they want to be single for senior year. So then everybody kind of like goes rogue, which is what has happened with every single one of my friends that had boyfriends sophomore and junior year. They all either got dumped or dumped their boyfriend and now are all going into senior year single as fuck. So it's interesting. Yeah. I think that at Stanford, it's not necessarily like a long term thing, more as like a year by year thing. So we're on the quarter system and I feel like each quarter has a very different vibe on campus, which is so weird. Like fall quarter, people are generally excited coming into the year. And like freshmen excluded, I think kind of just like have a lot of fun. Well, I would say freshmen do too. But I think fall quarter is a lot about like just like having fun and like, you know, but working hard still. And then winter quarter is generally super gloomy and rainy and cold on campus. And so like people start to kind of like get cuffed end of fall quarter, beginning of uh, winter quarter and like hunker down and like work really hard and just like spend a lot of time with the person that they're dating. And then spring quarter is like notoriously just out of control we have like two big music festivals, three huge darties annually, like people just call it Camp Stanford. And so I think a lot of people just like sever ties with someone that they were dating or like somewhat like invested in just so they can have a more fun spring, which is really fucked up. But like on the long term, I think people either just have hookups all through their four years or they're like cuffed and engaged by senior year. Like that seems to be like the only two tracks that there are. Wow, that's kind of romantic. Okay. <laughs> well, have you had a boyfriend in college? No. You know, I've come close a couple times. Hook <laughs> up, <laughs> man. I, you know, I, I would say last year I thought I was about to have one, and that didn't really, uh, that didn't really come to fruition. So, do you think that? it's complicated when you have a guy friend who has a girlfriend. Does that change the relationship at all? I think it changes the relationship to the extent that the guy friend allows it to. I think that if you have somebody that you're close friends with, that's important to you. And then you get into a relationship and you're not transparent about the, the importance of that person in your life, then I could see it totally changing the relationship. But I don't know that it like inherently has to change. I think about on my end, like I've dated guys who had really close girlfriends or were even friends with exes. And it wasn't weird to me as long as that was like communicated. But I think that if the guy friend tries to like make it seem as if you're not that important or you don't spend as much time together as you do and isn't really like upfront about the extent of the relationship that you have, then I think it could be super detrimental both to your relationship with the friend and to the friend's relationship with his girlfriend so as the crazy ex-girlfriend who ended her last relationship because she told her boyfriend that he could have no girlfriends because there's no such thing as platonic friendships from the other end of that from someone who has a lot of guy friends what do you think about like that like when you 
have a guy friend and he's like, yeah, can't talk to you anymore. This girl that I'm dating, you know, she's wackadoo. And she said, no, like what, how do you react? I think that makes me kind of upset because I think that to me, like I would love my boyfriend to have female friends as long as, like I said, as long as it's like communicated, like what the relationship is actually like and what the boundaries of that are, I'm cool with it. No, I think that's literally so crucial that men are communicating what the extent of their relationship is. I think that if I had known what type of relationship my ex had with all of his friends that were female and I didn't feel like it was anything more than platonic, then I wouldn't have been so jealous and apprehensive because for me, my own personal experience with getting cheated on with my high school boyfriend and he cheated on me with somebody who was like a work coworker and friend. And he always justified it as like, oh, we're just friends. Like you have to respect that I have like female friends, which I did at the time, but then I got me cheated on. So I went into my second relationship thinking that girlfriends equaled cheating. And yeah. So anyway, keep going. But I think that I would like love to date a guy who has female friends because I feel like it lets them tap out of that like pressure of masculinity kind of thing and be a little bit more emotionally intelligent not to paint a broad picture of guys but I feel like when they're all together especially in like my type is frat boys so I feel like guys when they're with their fats are just like so like excessively like hyper masculine um so I'd love for them to tap out of that but I think I would be really hurt if one of my guy friends said that the girl that he was dating was uncomfortable with it because I would also like if it's an important person in their life it's an important person in my life whether that's the friend or the girlfriend or whatever. And so like my ideal with that would be that we could all be friends. For me, I learned a lot from my last relationship about platonic friendships and like respecting my boyfriend's needs to have female friends. I would say my boyfriend, Matt, now he has one friend that's a girl, Emma, and she goes to Arizona State University, which already is like red alert, red alert, red flag, red flag. <laughs> Um, but I would say that like, we're fine. I know that like their relationship is healthy and normal and not weird. Like he got really defensive because I said that I went out to a bar and I ran into some guy friends and I was like, oh yeah, like I was hugging them. I was like, and one of the guys, you know, he hugged me for a little too long for someone who has a girlfriend, you know what I mean? And he got all defensive and was like, well, why are you hugging them? That's so weird. That's so high school. Like, why do you hug your guy friends? And I was like, what? what? Was like, I've never hugged Emma in my entire life. I'm like, you've been friends with her since like middle school. How is that even possible? Yeah, I like jump on my friends when I see them. Yeah, I think it's like also like a physical touch thing. Like if your love mm-hmm. language is physical touch, then you touch everyone. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. Yeah, I think it's a matter of like communicating that too even though it made him uncomfortable I feel like it'd make him more uncomfortable to like hear that later on down the road and be like hmm why didn't I hear about this when it happened but like finding that that sweet spot of how much to share to not like make them feel bad but also enough that they feel secure oh I definitely overshare I went out (laughs) to a frat after big little and boys came up to me and like they were like freshman boys and they were like oh my god like I love you so much I'm in love with you and I was telling Matt about it and I was like is this too much am I oversharing like I'm not trying to make him jealous I'm just trying to say like this is so funny like haha <laughs> yeah I feel like I've also like intentionally overshared things 
which is really toxic <laughs> but I feel like uh like I was dating I was dating a guy last year for like three months four months whatever um without it ever being made exclusive but um he was like taking me to date parties and you know I met his parents and things and he like wouldn't I never asked him to commit but I was hoping he would bring it up you know um and like there were definitely times where I was like oh yeah like I went to the gym and this guy like kept trying to talk to me especially if it's somebody that he knows like if it was somebody in his frat I would definitely tell him about that just to like try to nudge him toward being like hmm like maybe there are other people that are interested like maybe I should lock this down <laughs> so I, I feel, feel like, like that's there's... so fair though if you're in like a relationship and he hasn't committed like you should be like well okay if you're not gonna commit to me then look at all my options because who's to say that he wasn't exploring options I know with that specific relationship he was he definitely was with his fucking ex so <laughs> he definitely was yes yeah which is, I think, why I say I don't care about being friends with exes as long as you communicate it. Because what happened was he was, like, still talking to his ex, and I knew that. Um, but not because he told me, but because his friends, like, would mention her, and he would shut the conversation down, or he would hide, like, notifications. Red when... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I was, like, I was like, oh, like, when his friends mentioned her, I'd be like, oh, like, cool, like, you're still friends. Like, that's great. Like, my best friend is somebody that I used to hook up with. Like, it's not that weird. Actually, it is kind of weird, but whatever. It's relatable. Um, but then when you start, like, hiding things, whether or not that's because you're s- still more than friends or because you, like, don't want to communicate that, then it's a red flag. And then it panned out being very much a not good situation for me. But, yeah. I mean, I've been on the both ends of that, so... So let's talk about being friends with your ex because that would quanti- like qualify as being guy friend. So how do you navigate that? <laughs> um, I think in, I guess in both situations of being friends or friendly with somebody that is kind of an ex, um, there was definitely like a period where I had to be like no contact, resent this person. And like take that time away and like just act out my frustration do whatever I need to do maybe it wasn't in the healthiest way but like kind of distance myself from the non-platonic like sexual romantic feelings that I had from them um and then realize that that person is like an important person in my life and that the relationship did bring value to my life in ways that were not necessarily romantic but like somebody that gave me like non-sexual intimacy or like just a space to talk about things that were important to me and make me feel seen um and like putting priority in that aspect of the relationship that I had with this person and like realizing that it is still somebody that I want to be friends with um but then kind of like setting boundaries with what I need from that relationship so there were definitely times where like I would like I have hooked up with somebody and like wanted to just be friends after that and express that and been like hey like I still want you to be in my life but like for me it's not healthy to continue to have sex with you and they're like yeah and then the relationship dies and so I think it has to be like a mutual thing too of that person also wants to maintain a relationship regardless of what form it takes so my ex asked to be friends when we first broke up which my mom told me it was just so he could use me to have sex, which 
she wasn't wrong because we continued to hook up for a month and then I remember this yes (laughs) and then we were like fine I guess and then I mean I did some questionable things out of anger and now we are not friends and I don't really know if we'll ever be friends I don't think my boyfriend has any desire for me to be friends with him um I don't think he really has any desire to be friends with me judging by how he acted when I saw him out last week and judging by the fact that you know I send him songs from time to time and I do not get a response yeah that might be a good indicator so there's that um you your type is frat boy but also most of your guy friends are frat boys right that's true but I think that also has to do with um one the presence of greek life at stanford and uh two the type of relationships that i seek out um yeah so i feel like stanford the majority of guys are in frats and social life heavily revolves around frats because um it's a fully residential campus so there are maybe one percent of undergrads that live off campus so everybody is is around each other in dorms or in frat houses and the co-ops and the frats are the ones that are hosting all of the social functions. So like my primary interaction with people, even though I'm not in a sorority, is people that are in Greek. But I also feel like I generally tend to seek out friendships with people that are very like point blank, like will be supportive, will like give me spaces to vent and give me advice or whatever it is I need, but like definitely don't sugarcoat things or um put people on pedestals in the way that I do and I think that um a lot of um like frat guys are kind of like that so it tends to be like a pretty organic click I would agree so do you have like one frat that you particularly have more guy friends in than any other frat I feel like I'm an unofficial brother of Delta Delta Delta. um (laughs) with whatever degree of pride or shame that carries but um I've been friends with the guys there for a really long time my best friend or one of my best friends and my first friend at Stanford um that's his fraternity he was the president of it um and I feel like I go to all of their stuff it's just assumed like their last formal I was a plus one and I got my own plus one as well um I went on their ski trip that kind of thing um and I'm like super homies with most of the guys that are in it. So, so that's cute. Look at you being a brother and shit. So <laughs> I had that, you know, I had that before I went and dated a frat boy in that fraternity. But I would say that after the fact, I've kept all of my guy friends. Like none of the guys have kind of, well, that's not true. Maybe one or two guys have kind of given me the cold shoulder or the brush off, but the majority of the fraternity still has my back because when they first came back on campus, I was the only one that showed up to their shit. Like we would have mixers with them and I would be the only one there, me and my like four friends. So they like have this unspoken respect for me as like a loyalist. (laughs) Some might call it a groupie, but I am the same. (laughs) A groupie. I'm 100% their groupie. I love them. I literally, I just, I personally feel like Yes, there's bad frat guys. Don't get me wrong. There are creepy frat guys. There are those stereotypical, like, date rape drug, gross, manipulative frat guys. But there's also 
the nerdier, more wholesome frat guys. And I think that when you find those guys, you have to really find the balance between like hyping them up and giving them like too much clout and turning them into douchebags and maintaining your friendship and keeping them kind of humble. Yeah, I don't know if I ever told you this, but um, the best friend I'm currently living with, his original bid was from DTD, even though he didn't join. (laughs) Like, I really am. I'm really an adult girl, whether I want to be or not. So, um, yeah, but I think it's nice because I feel like because I go to so much of their stuff, they just, like, expect me at things and the invitation's always open. But I also feel like they're so used to me that there's no pressure to, like, dress up, look good, act a certain way, be a certain way. They've seen me at my messiest. They've seen me sad. They've seen me absolutely killing life. Um, And they've kind of like been friends with me through all of that. And in turn, I've been like the frat mom. And so take care of them all when they get super drunk or like need places to to talk about their like deeper emotional traumas in ways that they maybe don't, don't feel like they're able to do in their actual like social circle so I've definitely had people like from the frat show up drunk to my room and be like hey can we talk so (laughs) it's uh it's an interesting social dynamic but I really really enjoy it and I feel like it's really enriched a lot of my time at Stanford um in like ways that I didn't expect my college experience to be I think we need to go back to um being the frat mom because when I moved in, well, I didn't move in with my ex. Obviously, I still have my own place. But when I pretty much started living in the frat satellite house, all of the guys started calling me mom. And like, it mm-hmm. wasn't that creepy at the time because I like was like, oh, yeah, I'm totally your mom. Like, I'll take care of you. Like, let me do your laundry. Let me wash your dishes. Let me make you breakfast. But looking back on it, it's like, a little bit cringe but also I love them dearly and I would say that I would agree that they kind of get rid of their toxic masculinity a little bit when they have like a girl around and they can kind of be a little bit more vulnerable with you I know that I've had guy friends at frat parties be like yeah like I'm having the worst day like you know I had a panic attack this morning blah 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 and I'm able to kind of like pull out my like psych tool belt and like not necessarily therapy them, but just offer them something that I don't think that they can get from like the brotherhood because guys are always trying to act so tough. That's super real. Like I, so I'm staffing a dorm right now and uh, one of like my official job is pretty much anything health related. So everything from free condoms to like amateur therapy. And I feel like the guys definitely take advantage of that, even though it's definitely like, certainly for the, my own residents and also very freshman oriented, but I have like these senior guys that just like show up to my room, somehow get into the building, show up to my room and like sit down on my couch. And they're like, I just need to talk. I'm like, all right, like, let's do it. And so I think that it like is something about like a feminine presence that allows them to open up more or feel more vulnerable, even in spaces that are traditionally so masculine and so oriented around their own frat. But I think it's funny that they refer to me as like their dorm mom or even or not dorm mom, but, like, their their frat mom or, like, an unofficial brother because I have hooked up with, like, three guys in the frat. And so it's, like, the interesting line to Oh, it's such a... Well, okay, you hooked up with them. See, that's the thing, is that before I dated my ex, I was hanging out at the frat almost every day, and one of the guys came up to me and was like, Lex, 
don't fuck your brother. And I was like, fuck. Like, I can't have sex with him. Like, I can't hook up with this guy. Like, I can't date him. Like, I will lose my brotherhood. And I don't know if I've lost my unofficial brother card by having a boyfriend in the frat. I don't think so. I don't act like I have. I still walk in there like I own the place. I think they would be too scared to take away my unofficial brotherhood. But... Yeah, I don't know. That is a very complicated line to walk because once you start hooking up with them, then it's like you're a frat rat. I feel like it's also a little different for me because they don't have a house. So it's very much like intentional gatherings. Um, and like the the community and the social aspect of it is like very, very intentional. Like you show up because you want to be there, not because you're already there. Ooh, that is interesting. So DTD doesn't have a house. So then do you just like hang out in the dorms? Yeah, so basically the way that housing at Stanford works is there's a lot of like dorm e like style living, like very traditional. Um, and then there's also like suite style living um, options and then apartment style. And then there are um, cell pops, which are like essentially what you would imagine is like a frat house minus the frat part. So they're like really, really nice houses that have a chef for the house and um students don't have to like cook or clean for themselves but they all have their own rooms and I think a lot of those are houses that are like unofficially taken over by fraternities so like there's one that's like very notoriously Sig Chi there's one that's very notoriously SAE um and so even if Stanford doesn't give them an official house actually two frats just lost houses this year um which I think is a really interesting uh going to be an interesting social shift for life on campus um but usually like everyone will like go hang out at the suites or whatever and so it is kind of just like their own space do you think okay here's here's a hot question for you why have you met gay guys in greek life yes um i have in almost every chapter that i've interacted with on campus i think the only exception as far as I know, is SAE, which makes sense because at Stanford and I think everywhere, or at least I grew up in Florida, so, like, my exposure to fraternities before Stanford was very, like, SEC heavy, but um, SAE tends to be very, um, very masculine, like, it's very athlete heavy at Stanford. Um, I know in the South, SAE is nicknamed uh sexual assault expected as their acronym so um I think it makes sense that maybe there's not a big queer presence in that space but I think like every other chapter I've interacted with on campus I've like had conversations or like met queer folks I mean just statistically though there has to be closeted gay guys probably in those fraternities because they have to be like overcompensated is that fair to say you think I think it is. I think that also, like, there are definitely some chapters in some spaces that are so much more welcoming to people that are sexual or gender minorities than others. Um, So, like, even if there are, like, not straight cis males in every frat, like, there are definitely some that are more open and inclusive to that than others. So, like, there's a house on campus that, like, I love them, but, like, the two things that they're notorious for are being stoners and being like very queer heavy but that's so chill like that's just they're so chill and <laughs> I, I think it's great i i do think 
there may be a, an aspect of overcompensation in some some chapters for sure. I think that there's definitely some sort of overcompensation going on in every fraternity at the University of Michigan, only because guys normally, the guys I met freshman year in frats that we mixed with, slowly but surely, more and more started to come out as gay, like the older that we got, which I think is normal just with, you know, college and figuring your shit out. But I think that a lot of times guys join Greek life to kind of overcompensate or not address that. And then they end up addressing that. There's like a big thing on TikTok right now. Like a lot of gay guys have been posting like, oh, like me in college. And then like now they're like super gay. And I think that's fucking awesome. And I think that I wish that guys felt like they could just be honest about their sexuality. Because I bet, I don't know, I have this theory that the majority of people are probably bisexual and just haven't explored that or like can't admit that to themselves because of just culture and societal like influences and like pressure. I mean, I might be slightly biased, but I'm going to have to agree with you. (laughs) Um, I feel like there's nobody that's like purely straight. Definitely not. You can't, I was talking to my friend Jess about this, like, even like my boyfriend, who is very, very straight, like, and probably would never admit it. Like he, there's no way that he can say that out of however many like billion men there are in the world that one of them he wouldn't be attracted to. You know what I mean? Right. But I think there's a lot of like, uh even for people that are like really accepting of like queerness and others there is a sense of like internalized homophobia even for people that are somewhere on the spectrum like I feel like that was something that I grappled with a lot coming to college like I I came out as by my senior year of high school but even then like I grew up in the conservative south and so then when I came somewhere where it was like super accepting of people that were not straight like it felt like it was something that I had to grapple with of like Hmm, I don't know, like, I, am I actually like this? Like, is it a phase for me? Like, I, I feel like dating a woman would be kind of gross. And then I'm like, no, I actually really do like this. But like, maybe it's, you know, some sort of like internal balance. Oh, I think that's too. definitely true. I think that I grew up in Missouri, which most of my family's from rural Missouri. So not a whole lot of liberalism over here, very big red state. And I would say the same. I would say that definitely my relationship with you and my relationship with other girls in my sorority, like, forced me to kind of address that internalized homophobia. And recently, I had a job where all of my coworkers were either gay or bisexual. And it really forced me to be like, okay, let's check in with myself and see what I'm really thinking about. And what is super internalized because I don't think we really consider like okay is this internalized and how do I really feel because you see it on tv now and you see it it's so prevalent and so like oh it's okay to be gay but at the same time you don't want to like disappoint your family or you don't even know how you would deal with that that was something for me too where I was like okay maybe I like girls but like what if I just only date guys because that way then you know it's never going to be an issue of like how do I come out to my family? Like, how do I do this? And that obviously did not pan out for me. Um, but I don't know. I, I think it's like a really hard battle, especially when you're like in the 
bisexual territory because you're like do I just have the choice to just like pass as straight or like what do I do how do I navigate and I that I think that it, the other thing too is like sure like am I attracted to women probably and like what I like to probably explore that sure but my entire life I've only dated guys I've only had sex with guys and like I know that long term like I would want to be in a heterosexual like relationship like as far as like marriage and kids are concerned so it's like what's the point of exploring that if I already know like what my end game is (laughs) that's fair I don't know (laughs) it's hard because like part of it is you want to you want to validate the feelings that you have but like that also puts you in a position to be vulnerable and pretty uncomfortable and you have to decide to what extent you want to lean into that discomfort I love that we went from talking about guy friends to talking about be bisexual (laughs) I mean I feel like (laughs) I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand I'm not gonna lie um like it's kind of nice to like especially if if I'm involved with a girl in some capacity to like go to a a male space and not feel like they're gonna instantly sexualize me but on the flip side there is like a good bit of fetishization that happens with sexuality so it's like finding that balance or like finding the people that honor that balance and I think that you brought up a good point like they do kind of go together I would say that like I've always considered myself like one of the guys one of the boys like I'm a bro like and then like to be kind of like okay like exploring your sexuality like it goes hand in hand because it's like you kind of have that more I want to say like masculine but it's like you want to bro down and that kind of brings you out of like the feminine construct or something and it allows you to kind of be more open and I think that also like when you talk to guys guys aren't as uncomfortable talking about sex I think like at least for me like freshman and sophomore year and my friend group talking about sex was just like so taboo like I felt so judged every time I talked about like masturbation or anything and I would say that junior and senior junior and going into senior year I feel like I'm in a more sex positive friend group but at the same time I would say that having guy friends who allow me to kind of like be a little more raunchy and say whatever the fuck I want has allowed me to kind of explore not only like my sexuality a little bit but like even just like my kinks yeah I think that yeah I think I have to agree I I don't necessarily consider myself I'm definitely like very feminine presenting but definitely also like don't necessarily subscribe to all of the the norms of femininity and how to engage in those social circles and so I don't think that like I feel like I necessarily have to be one of the guys but I do think that it's generally like a more sex positive or like more comfortable community to talk about like sex and things um than a lot of girls especially when I want to like talk about girls and not in like a vulgar way but like a I have this developing relationship with a girl like I want advice about it like I'm going to field opinions from my female friends, maybe on the softer side, but also from my guy friends and being like, hey, like, is this, like, normal? Like, I I don't know. Like, I'm a girl, but maybe I'm blinded to some of these things and, like, could definitely use a male's opinion. Um, so there's a lot of benefit to that, I think. And I think that even if, like, like, even for me, like, with, like, my heterosexual relationship, like, having guy friends that you can be like, hey, 
I'm talking to my boyfriend about this or, hey, I'm acting like this and having a guy be able to be like, okay, he's going to think you're fucking crazy or like, yeah, he's really, he's going to be really into that. Like respect the drip, Karen. Like you, you just have to like, I don't know. I just feel like guys are just so much easier to talk to and they're so much like more real with you. Like, I don't know. It could be my personal experience from like middle school and high school being like not cool with women, but I think that, like, women are sometimes more manipulative and selfish. And sometimes, like, you'll go to your girlfriends about your relationship issues and they won't give you the best advice because they're kind of, like, jealous. Yeah, I think that guys are also just, like, they'll be, like, really straight up. Like, my girl, my female friends will very much, like, enable me to do more destructive behaviors. Or, like, will be too afraid to be like, hey, that's actually maybe something you shouldn't do and, like, won't confront me about it. But guys will be like, yeah, you need to stop. Or they'll just be, like, super real. Like, if I'm trying to, like, hook up with a guy and, like, you know, he goes soft or whatever, my guy friends will be, like, he probably just jerked off too much that day. Like, it's fine. And so, like, <laughs> that's, like, the like the real side of things that no, I need. No, for sure. I think that me and one of my friends were talking about this recently. She said that she was talking to one of her – it was her ex, but, not like, now her ex. But at the time, they were still dating, but they were in a fight. And he was, like, you need to call me right now. And she was in a study room with, like – a group of friends and one of the girls was like oh yeah call him right now like in front of everyone and it ended up no. making the fight way worse because he was like what the fuck are you with people like they were in a real live argument and then she was like people were laughing in the background like that's kind of where like the girlfriends and like the self-destructive behavior I think you just mentioned like I think that's where that comes in like they enable us to be literally crazy yeah yeah, that's true. And I feel like I've also, like, lost female friendships because I wouldn't do that. Um, like, I feel like one of the relationships that I had for the past year that was, like, one of my closest friendships at Stanford, like, ended recently because I was the only person that would, like, hold her accountable to her shitty behavior and, like, push her to, like, do things that were uncomfortable that she would go grow through so that, you know, she could be a better friend and, like, a better person and show more compassion to people around her and herself and like girls don't necessarily like that. oh no absolutely not nobody no woman wants to be held accountable they just want you to enable them which is I mean speaking from the other side of it I do love to be enabled but also like for example a week ago I got very intoxicated with my friends at a karaoke night and we were all daring each other to do dumb shit and I ended up daring one of my friends to show up at my ex's house and ask for an HDMI to three color cord for our karaoke machine and we ended up going there in a trio and walking into their living room and he wasn't there but his friends were and I'm sure that they thought we were fucking insane it's fucking midnight and you're just walking in asking for some random cord and I think that we were drunk and we were being reckless but at the same time like someone should have told us not to fucking do that and nobody did there was like six girls with us like nobody was like hey this is a crazy bad idea we were all like oh my god fuck it we run this place like that's so dumb and so fucked yeah I think that there's also like you have to decide which things are okay to enable and which are not like kind of practice damage oh, control. yeah we know all about damage control on this podcast um, yes we do no but it's also like Uh, just like maintaining the crazy and like I also think there's this culture now 
of like it's like modern feminism where it's like women no longer give a fuck about being perceived as crazy or like calling men like being like men are trash and like we hate them burn it to the ground like we're in this new wave of feminism that's like very similar to like bra burning feminists but it's like social media and like subbing and all this other crazy shit that's happening and it's like nobody I don't know if they're really exploring it maybe they are you probably know more than me because I'm just a psych major and you deal with more like gender studies stuff but I don't know yeah um definitely the femgen minor in me coming out um I feel like it's hard to uh draw distinctions of like where there's feminism and where there's just like man hating and I don't think that those necessarily are the same things but people take them to be synonymous um but I think it just gives like feminism a bad rap and it makes it harder to talk about like actual productive conversations about like equality in spaces especially with men because they feel so persecuted by like the more extreme end and so like drawing that distinction and it's hard because it feels like it shouldn't be the labor of women to make men feel comfortable in conversations about how to make women feel safe or how to like empower women. It's kind of just like, it shouldn't be the, the oppressed group's job to take on the labor to educate the majority group. But in the same vein, it's hard to imagine those conversations being productive without doing that. Um, and I think men are just generally like kind of uncomfortable with the idea of losing the sense of power and status that they had. So like maybe ideologically, they're like, yeah, women deserve to be equal. But then when it comes down to like, that might mean sacrificing some of your opportunity or like doing things that make you more uncomfortable to make women equal. It's like not as productive. I think that another thing too, is like a maturity thing with college. Like everybody seems to forget that like when you're going through adolescence that like we started getting boobs way before guys started getting deep voices which means that like we're ahead of them like developmentally and that continues into college and I think that a lot of my guy friends have admittedly said to me like you know I did really fucked up shit as a freshman and a sophomore like I didn't see girls as people I just saw them as bodies like you know I was just trying to like catch my nut and go and I think that Obviously, that part of that is hookup culture, but part of that is just maturity and, like, emotional maturity. And sometimes I don't really think that, like, men are trash. I think that boys are trash, and I think that it's because they're dumb. (laughs) I think that's fair. I think they don't know any better, and that's not to be like, oh, boys will be boys. But I think that we have to kind of... Like you said, it's not our job to educate them, but if we want anything to change, we have to kind of tell them what the fuck is up. Right. And it can be very, it can be very, like, point blank. Like, this is not a negotiable point of, point of contention. Oh, yeah. Just, like, I don't know. I think that also, like, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, so there's, like, a very big Catholic high school presence, and a lot of my guy friends who went to Catholic high school would talk to me about how, like, they would have, I don't remember if it was weekly or monthly, but they would have, like, meetings about sexual assault and, like, meetings about, like, respecting women. And I always thought that was, like, so important because those are the guys that went to college and I know for a fact, like, actually had meaningful relationships or, like, if they did participate in hookup culture, like, they definitely respected the people they were hooking up with. Yeah, I think that it's, like, also if you want to tackle these smaller not smaller issues. I think sexual assault's a huge issue. But, like, things that feel very acute, 
you have to engage like the larger social issues and like do education young when like ideas about gender oh for sure me and my brother he's seven we just watched the sandlot two last night which if anyone hasn't seen that the premise of the movie is that there's a group of girls and it's in like i think it's like 1970 something and it's like in the peak of like women's liberation and in the beginning of the movie they're talking about this girl who's playing softball and they're like oh she's new to town she's liberated and she like calls like the boys like misogynist pigs for not letting her play and then she like strikes them out and I watched the Sandlot 2 first and then me and my brother watched the Sandlot 1 and he told me he was like I like the Sandlot 2 better I don't like that there's no girls they're not being inclusive and I was like whoa you're seven and you're already so woke hell yeah well the thing is like we were talking about this in my class on sexual assault when we were talking about like masculinities and gender norms and basically like kids will form positive gender norms or stereotypes like pink and blue like that kind of thing um when they're young like young young Mm -hmm. like three four five whatever but the negative views on gender especially for like boys viewing girls as negative doesn't really happen until like prepubescence or puberty and so there's like that sweet spot of being like five to eight or nine and like really influencing like the way that boys see girls and women and it sounds like you're doing a great job of things i'm just trying to educate the youth no but i think that that's so true and i think that that was something that really scared me with my brother was he from zero to five like his favorite color was pink and then when he started elementary school and kindergarten he was like pink is for girls everybody's gonna make fun of me and he's kind of moved away from that again and we've kind of dealt with that but it was scary for a minute to feel like these constructs that are so toxic and I know are so toxic were starting to influence him and that I had no control over it and wanting to like counteract that as best I could right right it's hard and you're doing I'm a good job here trying to <laughs> change the world with the youth if you could give our listeners one or two or three even pieces of advice about guy friends for the girls that are coming into college or the girls that are freshmen and sophomores or even juniors spending their most of their time crying over frat boys instead of partying with frat boys what would you tell them it's not worth your tears like cry and get it out of your system I'm all for displays of emotion but at the end of the day like you can't make someone feel a way that they don't and you shouldn't have to teach somebody how to treat you like there are plenty of people and plenty of guys that like understand fundamentally that you deserve to be treated well and if they won't do that in practice then it's not worth your energy like schools are big even Stanford which feels small there are so many people and I'm meeting new people every day like you're going to form more meaningful relationships than the ones that make you cry. That's not to say that relationships don't deserve effort, but like if it's one-sided or you're the only one that seems to care, like you shouldn't have to force someone to care about you. That is so true. So with that, I'm going to end the segment with our song of the day and lyric of the day. So our song of the day is One of the Boys by Katy Perry. And our lyric of the day is... I saw a spider. I didn't scream because I can belch the alphabet. Just double dog dare me. Because (laughs) as the girl (laughs) who everyone knows, you can get me to do just about anything by saying, pussy, you won't. 
and I'm going to do it, which is so bad. And everyone knows it, which is why I get myself into very sticky situations sometimes. But I will say that it has made my college experience much, much more fun. (laughs) (laughs) You're insane, but I love it. So with that, I'm going to end the segment. Victoria, tell all our viewers bye. Love you. Hey guys, don't forget to subscribe to What Now on Spotify or on Anchor. Also, just wanted to share a little funny text I received from Victoria after we recorded. And I quote, All girls on the podcast know how to do is be bisexual, eat hot chip, charge their phone, and lie. So with that, I hope that all of my listeners out there are surviving this trying time and maintaining their sanity via just vibing. Also, all of the songs and lyrics that are featured on the podcast will be curated into a playlist on Spotify. So if anybody would like the link to that, bang my line. See you next week.